With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. And uh, we have a lot to talk about in what is an exciting time for Greg McDermott and his Creighton Blue Jays as... Wow, what a weekend in Denver in the South region as Creighton goes 2-0. And how about them Creighton Blue Jays? Creighton beats NC State in the first round and then proceeds to play one of their three or four best games they've played all season. You know, you throw Maui-Arkansas uh, game in there. You throw the Villanova game in the Big East quarterfinals. I mean, I- I'd put this Baylor game up there. Uh, with with those in terms of a complete performance on both ends of the floor from the Blue Jays. They beat Baylor 85-76 to and are headed to the Sweet 16, second Sweet 16 in three years for Greg McDermott. And there is tons to unpack. I, I'm, I'm writing this. I, I, I got my laptop out. I'm writing this. I'm on the plane flying back with the team from Denver. And so I'm writing this out, and so I'm reading this now. It's it's now uh, Monday morning, so I was writing this all out on on the late flight home from Denver to Omaha on the on the Creighton team plane. Got my my head didn't hit the pillow till about three a.m., so it's just a couple hours sleep. I got my my went down to my podcast studio. I'm 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 now recording this, uh, but I, I wrote a lot of this on the team plane uh, on the flight home, and. I, there's so many things to unpack and unpack the Baylor game and 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 some some different things here but you know I, I just was I want to start with this from a broad standpoint in some ways this last weekend those two games from Creighton the NC State win and the Baylor win kind of perfectly capture this basketball team they can be ice cold from 3 they can have really really poor shooting nights they were 3 for 20 from 3 in the win over NC State they can also be red hot from 3 and knocked down a bunch of threes and looked like a great three-point shooting team. They were 11 of 24 from three against the Baylor Bears. But regardless of how they are shooting, the effort, the attention to detail, the game plan defensively, usually, typically fantastic. I'll get more into that in a second. And with this, this team... It can truly be someone different leading the way, leading the charge, scoring each night. Ryan Kalkbrenner had a career-high 31 points against NC State in the first round. Then Ryan Nemhard had a career-high 30 points against Baylor in the second round. By the way, saw this little nugget. Creighton is the first team to have a different player score 30-plus points in each of the first two games of the NCAA tournament since 1997, where Providence had Austin Crozier and Derek Brown go off for 30-plus in the first two rounds. Pretty amazing. But that's just it. There's been games when it's been, 
you know, Trey Alexander going off. There's been games where it's Shireman going off. You not Kalkbrenner, Nemhard, like it truly can be someone different each night. And then lastly, I think the the thing we have we have all I think the thing we have all seen from this Creighton team all year is when it's right. When this Creighton team is when they're on, when they're clicking, when they're at their best, they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. Even during Creighton's six-game losing streak in in the non-con and maybe even some of the bumps during the last couple of months of inconsistencies during conference play or some poor performances, I think for me, and I'd imagine a lot of you felt the same way, I could just never, ever fully doubt this team because you knew what they were capable of. You knew what this team's ceiling was. They have shown you. It's not like this is a team where you go, well, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they ever put it all together and what that would look like. No, we've seen that. And when we see it, it's like, whoa, this team can beat anybody. Let's be honest, Creighton thoroughly dominated Baylor from start to finish in that game. Completely controlled the game. The quality of shot on one end compared to the other, completely different. But from a broad perspective, like those two games kind of encap just completely embody what this team is. Excellent on defense, can be hot and cold shooting and offensively, can be a different guy each night going off. Typically, their attention to detail and performance on the defensive end of the floor is really good. And we've known all along that this team's ceiling, when they put it all together, is Final Four good. Pretty good illustration of this team. Incredibly high ceiling, hot and cold from three, great balance, good defensively, really well coached. That that's This, this past weekend was kind of Creighton in a nutshell. But looking at this Baylor game in particular, th- there's a lot of different directions to go. I want to start with the defensive end of the floor because, first of all, you got to give a big shout-out to the coaching staff for, for putting together a really, really good game plan in a short prep, one day of prep, for the staff to put together a plan, relay it to the team, and the team to go out there and execute it perfectly is impressive. Now, I do think it helps that the points of emphasis in that NC State game to the Baylor game were very similar. You were it was a guard oriented team, three point centric. Like there were some similarities, but Baylor's just better at it, and Baylor gets into some of their actions a little bit different than the way NC State does. And Baylor has not one, not two, but three different dudes that can go off. Where NC State has really two guys that are going to create off the bounce, and really ended up being just one in Smith. But so I think it helped in that regard. But nevertheless, a one day prep, a different team. You got to go out there and put it together. And going into this game, and I said this in, a, in, in my quick preview pod for the Baylor game, the, the key to this game was pretty straightforward and simple, and that was defend the three. Take away the three-point line. You, you defend the three, you're in a pretty good position to beat Baylor. Because Baylor is basically top 25 in the country in every three-point stat across the board. Percentage of field goal attempts, percentage of total points being from three, three-point field goals made, three-point percentage as a team, all those areas, Baylor is top 25 in the country. So the key to the game defensively was going to be running those three guards, Flagler, George, and Cryer, off the three-point line and defending the three. That was what the game plan simply was. And 
the effort from Creighton's guards defensively chasing Flagler, chasing Cryer, chasing Keontae George was impressive. Trey Alexander, Nemhard, Farabello, different guys that were switched on to the, the guards. Those guys, but particular Alexander and Nemhard, those guys were working their tails off on defense. Baylor ended the game 5 for 22 from 3. The 22 three-point attempts for Baylor was one of their lower numbers of just raw attempts for the season, which speaks to Creighton's effort to just try to eliminate three-point jump shots. And it was all because of the effort from the Blue Jays. That first half in particular, Creighton was playing defense at a high level. And Creighton was playing defense right in front of where we were at doing the radio, myself and John Bishop. They were playing defense right in front of our radio position. And you get a different level of appreciation when you're courtside right there and it's in front of you. I don't know how well it it lended itself to really translating on D, on TV, but damn. Trey Alexander, Ryan Nemhard, those they were working their asses off defensively. I went into the locker room after the game. I joked with Trey Alexander for the game, and I said, I think you probably got screened 400 times tonight. And he just laughed because it was true. The amount of ball screens and pin downs and baseline doubles and handoffs into ball screens and staggers that the Creighton guards had to fight through was incredible. And here's the thing. It's one thing to fight through those screens. Where it's really hard is when you have to fight over the top of all of those screens, which is huge, which you obviously have to if you're trying to run anybody off the three-point line. If you go under any screen, if you go under and shortcut any handoff ball screen, stagger, whatever, they're going to stop behind and line up and knock down a three. It's it's easier to shortcut and go under staggers and under handoffs and under ball screens and under any sort of pin downs or anything like that. Where it's hard is when you've got to chase, lock into a hip, and fight over the top of all those screens. And listen, Baylor's got some big dudes. Flo Thamba, Chachua, Ojawana, Loner. Like, those guys are big dudes that are trying to lay the lumber on those screens. So, I just, the the first half, Creighton ran those guys off the line, forced them into mid-range twos, and worked their tails off. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack. Great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. They they took away the three forced mid-range jump shots, which Greg McDermott said he knew that over the course of a 40-minute game, 
A, Baylor didn't want to take those shots, and B, they wouldn't be able to make enough of them to win the game. And and that's what I was talking about this on the radio. You got to view things like, you know, you and this is what Greg McDermott does a good job of when he constructs a defensive game plan. It's more about the the holistic 40 minutes view of it. The, you know, the rise rise above it, you know, 60, you know, 10,000 square foot view of a game where you're worried about winning the war, not necessarily specific battles. Like, yeah, there'd be battles, aka possessions, where Baylor would score with a, you know, 14 foot pull up jump shot from LJ Cryer. Yeah, they won that battle, but you that's not going to win the war. The war being the game for 40 minutes. So, the effort defensively on the three-point line and chasing those guards all game, but in particular, I thought the first half set the tone for game. Set the tone for the game. Because I really think it with how well Creighton was defending and chasing those guys off screens and being attached to the hip and not allowing pull-up threes and catch-and-shoot threes and all that stuff, I think it took a little bit of Baylor's spirit away. Because I felt like as the game wore on, I felt like Adam Flagler and Keontae George stopped cutting as hard off the ball. They stopped working as hard running through screens because they were getting blanketed by CU's guards, by Creighton's guards. So the the whole game was going to come down to this specific element when you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint. Even Creighton assistant Ryan Miller came over to me during warm-ups, who's kind of Creighton's de facto defensive coordinator. He just came over to me and didn't even say, what's up, Nick? Hi, whatever. He just goes, man, we got to defend a three. We got to defend a three. We do that. We win. We do that. We win. And Creighton did it. Again, five for 22 from three was Baylor. But the the key, you know, to stick with the three-point line, I also felt like, in general, a key to the game was going to be the three-point line in what I just laid out defensively, but I felt like offensively, Creighton couldn't survive another cold day shooting the ball. Felt like Creighton was going to need to make some threes, and boy, did they. Creighton had a great day shooting the basketball. Which, again, yes, they are capable of that. Same group of dudes go three for 20. One against NC State, that same group, Crew of dudes went 11 for 24 from three against the Baylor Bears. Bears, Because they're they're capable of it. They are capable of it. And I, I think it was clear that Baylor's defensive plan was to protect the paint, really help and collapse on any Kalkbrenner roll to the basket, and try to sell out to slowing down Kalkbrenner, which makes sense. He shoots 70% from the floor. He just had 31 against NC State. And Creighton just went three for 20 from three. But when you do that, when you collapse on the roll, when you try to sell out to slow down Kalkbrenner, when you do that, you oftentimes leave the three-point line vacant. And to Creighton's credit, they moved the ball and they found open threes and they made them. I was a little nervous at halftime that Creighton was maybe taking too many threes. In the first half, Creighton was 7 of 16 from 3, which is great, but 16 of their 24 total field goal attempts in the first half were 3s. 16 of 24? Like, that's a lot. So I was a little nervous about that, but I thought I thought Creighton was better at not taking too many in the second half. Creighton was only 4 for 8 from 3 in the second half, so they took half as many 3s 
and but still made them at a 50% clip, four for eight. But anyway, you slice it, the Blue Jays shooters answered the bell. I knew the three-point line was going to be huge in this game. Not only did Creighton defend the three, and not only did Creighton make threes, Creighton outscored Baylor by 18 points from the three-point line. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's the game right there. The three-point line, Creighton's effort, attention to detail, fight, defending the three, chasing those guards off screens, off the line, huge. And then the fact that the Blue Jay shooters stepped up and knocked down shots, 11-24 from three, incredible. Couple more things. Got three more things before I go through some of the players and, and give some thoughts on each each of the the guys, the the big six that played a lot of the minutes in that game. Um, we we do got to talk about one guy in particular, uh, and that's Ryan Nemhart. Because holy wow, what a performance! Thirty points, eight of thirteen from the floor, four of six from three, ten for ten from the free throw line, thirty eight minutes, one turnover. He is the best player on the floor tonight with a bunch of really good guards, including one in Keontae George. It's a projected lottery pick, and Adam Flagler has got an NCAA championship ring, as does LJ Cryer. A lot of good guards on the floor. Nemhard is the best guard on the floor. Nemhard is the best player on the floor. What a warrior. He scored. He handled the ball. He controlled the pace. He defended. He did it all. It, you know how hard it is to chase guys off screens for 20, 25 seconds defensively, then get the ball, push it, run off screens, knock down shots, then get back, chase guys off screens for 20 seconds, then get it and push it and run the show. Like, that's just hard. And he did it. He's the ultimate. Nemhard is the ultimate take what the defense gives you player as a point guard. When the game calls for him to pass, he passes. When the game calls for him to score, he scores. And the Baylor game called on him to step up and score. They were daring him to knock down shots. They were going under some ball screens. There were some times where they were laying off of him in reversals and different things, and he stepped up and knocked down shots. And once he got it going, his confidence was really, really rolling. His confidence was really high. 31 points for Ryan Nemhart. Just amazing. You know, it's funny, after the game, I was talking with former Blue Jay great uh, Randy Ecker. Certainly all Blue Jay fans remember Randy Ecker. He's in the Creighton Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, just was a, he was a big-time player back, back in, the, in the late 70s. And he, I, I ran into him at the hotel after the game, and, and I was talking to, to Randy for a second. And, you know, Randy would know a good player when he sees it, and he, and he was raving about Nemhard and his competitive fire. And he really pointed out something to me about how the big moments, the competitive games, he usually brings out the best in Nemhard. He he talked about how he's got a competitive fight to him that it, that he just loves. And if you think about it, the two most intense games this season were probably the Arkansas game in Maui. Ryan Nemhard had what twenty five points and was a stud. And then this Baylor game in the second round of the NCAA tournament with your season on the line, Ryan Nemhard had 30 points. That was Nemhard's best game of his Creighton career, and it was needed. 
Best game of his Creighton career. It was needed. Ryan Emhard's a winner. His prep school team won. He and the second he's arrived at Creighton and taken over and run and been running the show, Creighton has won a lot. They've won a lot. Nemhard was amazing. Best player on the floor. Free throw line. How about Creighton's free throw shooting? 22 for 22 in that game. And needed all 22 of them. And it wasn't just one guy. Now, Nemhard made 10 of them. He was 10 for 10. But it was the entire starting five all at one point went to the line. And they all knocked him down. Nemhard, 10 for 10. Trey Alexander, 6 for 6. Kaluma, Kalkbrenner, and Shireman were all 2 for 2. You want to hold Baylor off for the entire second half, keep them at arm's length, go 22 for 22 for the free throw line. That helps. If Creighton would have missed free throws, you get a little tight. They're, they're kind of morale killers. That game could have had a very different ending. Because Baylor kept on trying to rally and fight, and Creighton would, you know, either hit a big shot or go hit two free throws and just kept Baylor at arm's length away. The the lead maybe got down to, to six or seven at one point. It seemed like Creighton constantly kept it at about eight or nine. A couple times they pushed it out even to, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 points. But Creighton kept on answering and answering and answering and answering. And the free throw line had a big, big role in that. And then the, the last thing I want to talk about before we get in the players, uh, there was a big moment, a big sequence in, the, in that game in the second half that I thought was the biggest moment of the game. It was, a, it was like a 30-second sequence where Creighton, in back-to-back possessions, took your classic, no, 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 yes, shots. I felt like, this is about the six and a half minute mark. I felt like, and and Baylor was starting to full court press and all this. I felt like Creighton needed to show some poise, slow things down a little bit, not play on their heels, but not get baited into taking quick shots and, and getting out of control. I felt like Creighton needed to kind of, you know, slow things down a little bit. But Francisco Farabello and Ryan Nemhard certainly felt different. At seventy-one to fifty-nine, with six minutes and twenty-two and six minutes and twenty seconds left or so, Creighton broke the press, kicked it ahead to Francisco Farabello from the right corner. In my mind, I was thinking, slow it down, pull it out, slow it down. What does Farabello do? He catches, no hesitation, rises up, launches a three, drills it. Whew. No, 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 no. Yes. Shot. Next possession. 74-59. Six minutes left. Broken floor situation. Trey Alexander kicks it ahead to Ryan Nemhard, who is wide open in front of the Creighton bench. Early clock. You got a lead. The clock, you're getting under about six minutes to play in the game. I was thinking, slow it down. If you watch the replay, you can see Greg McDermott and, and some of the coaches on the bench kind of doing that, like, slow down, slow down. But Nemhard catches it. He was feeling it all game long with no hesitation. He turns, launches a three, drills it. Fortune favors the bold. And those 
were some bold shots right there. And what's amazing is, if I'm not mistaken, I was looking at this. Sorry, it was like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. Those were the last field goals Creighton made in the game. Creighton didn't make another shot. But they did go 8 for 8 from the free throw line to close things out. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. But clearly, Creighton needed those points. So many times you see certain teams or certain players, when they get a lead like that, they go into play-not-to-lose mode. They go way into trying to run offense with the parking brake on, as I like to call it. And all of a sudden, they get tight. The other team starts to rally, and all of a sudden, it's, it's, a, it's game on. But Farabello... Nemhard, the biggest sequence in the game. Fortune favors the bold. Those were some bold shots. They stepped up, knocked them down. Classic no, 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 yes shots. Quite the sequence. Talk about some onions, as my man Bill Raftery would say. Amazing. Okay, let's go through some of the players as we kind of wrap this up. We've talked about, let's start with Nemhard because, I mean, he was the MVP of the game. Amazing game. He's the best player on the floor. We've talked about him a bunch. Best game of his career, 30 points. He really stepped up. But, I, but, there, but think about this for a second. Against NC State and Baylor, two pressure defenses, active defenses, good defensive backcourts. Ryan Nemhard played 76 minutes in those two games. He only had one turnover. 76 minutes, one turnover. It's a big-time point guard performance taking care of the ball over the course of two games. And in particular in that Baylor game, boy, did he step up. Ryan Kalkbrenner certainly was the MVP of that NC State game, 31 points. And Baylor did a good job of trying to take him away. And when you combine that with he was in a little bit of foul trouble, and I think Greg McDermott was really in the first half, there was a concerted effort, I think, to rotate guys in and out. So Kalkbrenner was in and out in the first half. I think he was trying to really conserve some legs for that second push, second half push, if you will. But he was in foul trouble for a little bit. Baylor was trying to take him away. Creighton played small ball late with Kaluma at the five for ball handling and to kind of because Kalkbrenner had four fouls. So he ended up only playing about 32 minutes. But he finished with 10 points, 7 rebounds. He missed a few bunnies right around the rim that he usually makes. But still, his presence and ability to score 
created the three-point barrage. Baylor sold out to take Kalkbrenner away. That opened up the three-point line where Creighton went 11 for 24. So the mark of a truly great player is impacting the game even when they don't have the ball and they aren't scoring because they're attracting multiple defenders, they're attracting a lot of attention, and that creates opportunities for your teammates. That is what Kalkbrenner did in that game. And then, of course, he always has a a good impact defensively. Trey Alexander. You know, we've been talking about, uh, I'm not so sure the two best guards on the floor weren't wearing Blue Jay uniforms. I'm not so sure the two best guards on the floor weren't, at least for those 40 minutes, weren't Nemhard and Alexander. Yeah, Cryer had a big game, scoring a ball, ended up with 30. But in my opinion, I'm not so sure the two best players on the uh, two best guards on the floor weren't wearing Creighton across their chest. Alexander did an excellent job defensively chasing Flagler and chasing Keontae George around. I thought he took their spirit a little bit. Held Flagler to 6 of 14 when he was on him. George went 1 for 10 from the floor. Plus, Alexander scored 17 points. Had 5 assists. He was a perfect 6 for 6 from the free throw line. He had a couple of big mid-range jumpers in the second half, which is probably his best shot. I I thought Trey Alexander played really well on both ends of the floor. Arthur Kaluma. I thought Kaluma played well. 11.7 rebounds, 4 or 5 from the floor, 1 or 2 from the three-point line, 2 for 2 from the free throw line. So it was an efficient day for Arthur Kaluma. He had three big offensive rebounds in that game, especially late in the game to steal an an extra 20 seconds and even uh, get one to go back down. And, And he made some big cuts to the basket to make himself available for dunks in the second half as well. Kaluma really played within himself for the most part. He was efficient. He rebounded. I was impressed with Arthur Kaluma in that game. Wasn't his best game of his career, but he was really solid. I'd say Baylor Shireman was solid again. Eight points, six rebounds, three assists, and 37 minutes. He did a good job rebounding defensively again, as he usually does. Five of his six rebounds were defensive rebounds, but His ability to be kind of that third ball handler, decision maker, late in games against full court pressure is important. You know Nemhard can handle it. You know Trey Alexander can handle it. It's nice to have Shireman out there as a, you know, he ran the point basically at South Dakota State a year ago, having him being the trigger man throwing the ball in. He can also bring it up. He can look ahead. I mean, he's, it's a very good luxury to have, to have a third ball handler out there. Certainly didn't shoot it great. Was just two for eight shooting the ball. But Shimer was pretty good again. Again, he hit those two dagger threes against NC State. So when he needed to step up and knock down and knock it down, he did. But Shimer was pretty good again against Baylor. And then Francisco Farabello. Tell you what, man. Farabello is the X factor in this game. Creighton, Creighton maybe doesn't win this game. They probably don't win this game without Farabello. He hit three huge threes in this game. Finished with nine points. Two of the three threes he hit in the first half. And we talked about the bomb, no, 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 yes, three he hit after breaking the press at about the six-minute mark in the second half. And, you know, I've been waiting, probably like a lot of you, probably like Farabello too, been waiting all year for a big Farabello game. And he delivered. 
in a huge spot for the Blue Jays. Now, for what it's worth, sometimes th- these sorts of things can be a little misleading, but for what it's worth, Francisco Farabello and Ryan Nemhard had the best plus-minus in that Baylor game. Both were plus 10 for the game. So, you know, just food for thought. Like, best plus-minus, Farabello, Ryan Nemhard. Enormous game for Francisco Farabello. Hopefully this gets his confidence rolling as now they Creighton cruises into the Sweet 16 because, man, if you can get Farabello knocking down shots at a you know near 40% clip, it really, really impacts the game. So there you go. Wanted to give a, a quick recap on this amazing Baylor win. And now that Creighton is headed to the Sweet 16. Pretty amazing opportunity in front of the Creighton Blue Jays. You get the 15-seeded Princeton Tigers, sneaky, dangerous team. By the way, I don't, I'm going to dive into more film, and I'll have a preview for them later on in the week. But just, you know, watching them in their first two rounds, you know, they, they went toe-to-toe and beat Arizona and then thoroughly dominated Missouri. But, but still, you're dealing with a 15-seed Princeton team in the Sweet 16. And then if Creighton wins, you're going to see either San Diego State, a team that Creighton beat last year, or Alabama, who is very, very talented, very, very impressive. But, you know, I mean, they're a little erratic. And, you know, they're, they're, they're led by a, a freshman in Brandon Miller. So... Really, really, really exciting opportunity in front of the Creighton Blue Jays. Really exciting. I'm going to be, I'll be with Creighton in Louisville this weekend doing radio again. Excited to, excited for what's to come. And like I said, I'm going to dive more into into Princeton film and I'll I'll have a little preview for, for Princeton later on this week. And then, you know, hopefully just like this last week, you know, Creighton hopefully can, take care of business, beat Princeton, have a nice little recap on that, and we'll see if Creighton can get to the Elite Eight and be 40 minutes away from going to the Final Four, which is just amazing to say. But at the same time, given what everybody thought about this team heading in and what they've shown you at times, I can't sit here and say I'm, I'm too surprised because you always knew that it was, it was in there for this group when they put it all together. They put it together against Baylor. So there you go. Exciting time for Creighton basketball. Shouts out to Greg McDermott and his staff. They did an amazing job. Players stepped up. Were fantastic. Incredible opportunity in front of the Blue Jays. Got Princeton on Friday night. I'll be on the call with John Bishop. Can't wait. A Heard at Sports Network production.